When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Better Relationships, Better Life, where relationships expert Judy K. Herman and her guests share insights that can help you move through conflicts in your 9-to-5 jobs and your 24-7 lives. Crack the clarity code and create deeper connections beyond the messiness of relationships. Here's your host, Judy K. Herman. A lot of what we discuss on this podcast is relevant to both personal and professional relationships. As a speaker and retreat facilitator, I also support organizations and leaders. Find me on LinkedIn, Judy K. Herman, or my website, judyspeaker.com. John Noltner is an award-winning photographer who has worked on four continents, gathering stories of human courage, grace, and resilience. He has produced projects for national magazines, Fortune 500 companies, and nonprofit organizations. His multimedia art project, A Piece of My Mind, reflects his belief that art and storytelling can help individuals, organizations, and communities articulate their deepest values and encourage action toward building social capital and community connections. Let's listen in as we talk about deepening connection through listening, creativity, and risks of growth. John Noltner, thank you so much for being here. And you are a storyteller and a photographer, and your organization is called A Piece of My Mind. And I am so glad to meet you. It was awesome that we met, I don't know, a month ago, was it? Or just a few weeks ago at the Wild Goose Festival in North Carolina. And I was so touched by what you're doing and so share with folks who you are and what you're what you do yeah sure i'm i'm really glad to be with you judy and like you said it was it was delightful to meet you at at wild goose uh today i think we're both much cooler than we were in the 95 degree sticky (laughs) weather in north carolina for wild goose (laughs) so a festival i don't know how many people were there maybe a couple thousand um yeah 12 1500 at least i'm not sure uh what the total number was yeah Uh, Yeah. but it was a big crowd it was good so um as as you and your viewers will see i'm coming to you from our mobile office uh and home and world headquarters for a piece of my mind this is vinny uh vinny van gogh our uh our van (laughs) (laughs) by the way i need to let folks and we need to just make sure folks know that this is a piece, P-E-A-C-E, right? Yeah, P-E-A-C-E. <laughs> it's very different than saying a piece of my mind, the P-I-E-C-E. There and that's go. a play on word that I love. And we can get to that in a little bit. Um, you know, the project, a piece of my mind is really a storytelling project. And it's it's a thing I've been working on for a dozen years. Mm-hmm. Uh, my I, I spent my career as a freelance photographer um 
shooting for national magazines and Fortune 500 companies. Back around 2009, uh, two things happened in my life. The first is that um, my soul was getting pretty hungry. Mm. I was frustrated with all the things that asked us to look at what can divide us. And I wondered if there was something I could do with my photography and storytelling to remember what connects us. Mm. Uh, mm. The second thing that happened about then is uh, I like to say the economy handed me some free time. <laughs> there was <laughs> the, an opportunity, the, right? <laughs> it was an opportunity, as my friends uh, would say. Um, you know, the recession hit the world of freelance photography really hard. And I found myself with some time on my hands. Uh, and, you know, I was curious. I just I, I, I wondered what would happen if I started interviewing people, if if I sat down with folks and I just asked them, what does peace mean to you? Mm. You know, I was I was having um, a distinct lack of peace in my own life <laughs> at that time. Uh, because of the financial stress, because of the the um, the the angry voices in the world. Um, and so I just started sitting down with people from all different backgrounds, asking them, what does peace mean to you? How do you work towards it in your life? What are some of the obstacles you encounter along the way? And we talked to people from all different backgrounds, um, Holocaust survivors, uh, refugees, um, activists, artists, politicians, really a broad cross-section of who we are as human beings, and um, slowly started sharing these stories out. We have uh, a podcast, we've got a website, we've got now four traveling exhibits and three books. Wow. So we, we bring these stories around the country to encourage uh, people to have conversations about important issues that and that's amazing i do want to well I'll let you know and let folks know i'm three <laughs> i don't know three quarters of the way through this it's just very profound it's very it, it's definitely feeding my soul to read your stories and and mm. i know that you're a, a freelance photographer and a storyteller but john it seems like and i and i'm a therapist so it seems like but you're you're listening to people you're providing such healing which i think is such a gift that a lot of people don't have so but let me back up a little bit because you had this this hunger in your soul I think is the term maybe that you used or something and yeah. and the economy was kind of going haywire or whatever uh explain where you were personally at that point you were married you had two kids kind of like what was the back-end story yeah. of where uh where you were yeah, you know, we were living in uh, suburban Minneapolis and uh, married with two kids and a dog in a 1960s split level. And um, but but really, um, you know, really feeding uh, my soul at the time with my work as a freelance photographer, I was my my identity was really invested in being a father and a spouse, but also in being this this creative soul that could, uh, you know, people would call me up with an assignment and I'd run uh, across the country or around the world to photograph their assignment and deliver them beautiful pictures. And, um, and, 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 and that was great. It was a lot of fun. You know, I might, I might be photographing pig farmers one day and um, a luxury spa the next day and, uh, you know, a, a, a musician the day after that. And so there was a lot of beautiful variety in it. And when you're a freelance photographer and the phone keeps ringing and people say, I love what you do, let us give you money to do more of it, that 
that feels pretty good. You were um, in your zone already with I was the, in my photography zone. in that in that creativity in you. Yeah, yeah. Um when the recession hit, uh the brakes went on really hard and the phone stopped ringing. Um and so that affected our financial life, that affected my emotional life, that affected my uh my sense of worth. Mm. Uh, you know, all of a sudden nobody wanted what I had to offer, mm. you know, and it, and it, and it was because of large economic, um, you know, patterns that were going on, but it impacted me directly and people who I really enjoyed working with lost their jobs. Mm. Uh, and I, and, and a lot of people around me, uh, in the creative world were struggling and it was, you know, it was a difficult season. And so when, when this all happened, when I started this project, there was, you know, there was a lot of personal turmoil. Was I going to be able to provide for my family? Uh, well, let me hold that because there's a lot yeah. of men that they, they go through at least, you know, folks that I've counseled with for many years in my, in the privacy of my office and entrepreneurial type of couples. And uh, you know, that can really destroy a marriage. It can destroy a family because of all of this. How did, how did your family stay together? How did you, uh, like, did you have, yeah, tell us more about maybe the, even the dynamics of your family or even your marriage to go through what likely was a very low point for you, for everybody, right? Yeah. Yeah. Karen is a really patient soul. Um, she, uh, I, I did not marry into money, so she's not a millionaire and neither am I. Um, so we had some real uh, challenging decisions to make about how we were going to make this all work. Our kids, I don't know, they're 27 and 24 now. So you back mm -hmm. up a dozen years. So mm -hmm. that was 15 mm -hmm. and, and yeah. Adolescence. Well. That's, that's a real crucial time of their lives. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. As, as, as we look back, as we have conversations with them now, they're like, no, we never really felt like we were suffering. You know, they didn't. Wow. They they got to eat every day. They got to, you know, buy new clothes when they went to school. But we had to make some serious decisions. You know, I had I had this beautiful four door pickup truck that guzzled gas and had a big uh, payment every month. And, and my wise wife looked at me and she said, you know, maybe we need to get rid of that truck. Mm. You know, maybe we need to mm. buy a buy, a, you know, a 10 year old uh, Honda Civic with one hundred and forty thousand miles on it. And that. You know, that that felt a little bit like failure to me, mm. but it was the right decision. Uh, it was the right thing to do. And and uh, one of Karen's gifts in the world is that whenever we face hardship, she just sort of shrugs her shoulders and says, well, we'll figure it out. Wow. <laughs> and, that, you know, that's uh, a, that's really wonderful because uh, not every couple has that. And what a gift that is that you and Karen have that that, you know, you're not that she I mean, that's what I'm hearing that she was very supportive of you. And, and during this real crucial time and making some big decisions. I'm just wondering, even for both of you to have like, not not hanging on too tight, but let being able to let go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, was it, that a natural thing for you two? Or did, was that cultivated? I I think it was cultivated because I think as a as a freelance photographer, you constantly 
take risks mm. in the world. You know, mm -hmm. I left my full-time job uh, like two months before our first child was born and two months after we bought our first house. Wow. You know, that's that's not really a wise financial choice to make, but it was yeah. the right time to do it. And uh -huh. so over the years, every time it was time to grow the business, we had to make some choices around risk and turning away some smaller clients to welcome some larger clients and, mm -hmm. and make the space for that. And so over the years, we probably had a lot of practice at navigating risk and accepting risk and letting go of uh, the certainty that some people like to mm. hold on to. Uh, and over the years, we found that it worked for us. Mm. Mm -hmm. You know, it, that didn't mean it was always easy, but it did mean that we typically survived it, you know, and that there were there were lessons learned out of it. And so we we became comfortable with that. Well, comfortable, comfortable might not be the right word um, uh -huh. because, you know, there's still it, it would be a lie to say that there weren't nights that we laid in bed and stared at the ceiling and wondered how it was all going to work and had some 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 difficult conversations, maybe not comfortable, but um, but open to that. Wow. Well, when I first met you and you were, you know, I saw where you were traveling in, in your uh, Vinnie Van Gogh. This is your home, actually. So I was I was thinking, oh, he's leaving the festival and then, then he's going to be driving a few miles and then going back to his home. But you do not have like a brick and mortar home anymore. No, that's right. We um, and, and that was another step of uh, in into living this project. Uh, and it was another step uh, toward risk, um, but with the belief that it would it would, you know, provide benefits and that it would be a worthy journey. And so in the fall of 2020, in the in the thick of the pandemic, mm -hmm. uh, we sold our house of 20 plus years. Um, wow. Put well, we gave away or sold most of our stuff. We have a little storage unit now. Uh, that keeps some memories and mementos, but otherwise, this van is it. This is our this is our home, and uh, we've been on the road for two years now. And it's wow. when we when we talk about it, um, Karen and I say the weirdest thing about it is that it doesn't seem weird. Wow, it just seems like a natural extension of what we were doing in the world. You've really, I'm, I'm like so impressed by that. I myself have wanted to become more of a minimalist. And I know of some friends that have like lived in these big houses and then they move into a tiny house. I've got a friend that actually lives on a yacht with her husband and her two kids. And I'm thinking, wow, that's just a different way of living, of letting go of stuff that you don't need. Um, so, but I, I kind of want to circle back because to really for you to express even the the um, the magnitude, if you can, possibly, I don't know if you can even express the magnitude of the piece that you are, uh, that you're creating your part of creating. And, and um, when I when I was at the festival, and I saw your setup and your um, and your displays, I made a comment to you, John, about I thought, wow, you're capturing the very essence of this person. Like it's not just a photograph of, of a person, but it's their, that you capture their essence, which I was so touched by. And so share more about, about that, about your bigger mission and what you're, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So so let me start by saying that as as a photographer, I have always believed that there's that there's beauty and wisdom all around us mm. uh, if we take the time to see it and if mm. we take the time to hear it. And so that's that's what this process have, has been. Um, we have two formats when we're when we're gathering stories for a piece of my mind. The first is these long format uh, interviews where I'll sit down like you are here and I'll mm. interview somebody for an hour long podcast and um and then we do because I'm a photographer we do a portrait as well we try to find maybe some context some place to put them that that helps tell their story and we we do a portrait um the other format that we do are these short form stories and that's what we did at wild goose uh-huh. where We'll set up a studio. We will ask a question, and that question changes depending on who we're talking with and what the community wants to engage in. Uh, and we'll ask a question, and we'll we'll invite people to respond in twenty five words or less. Mm. Then we'll do a black and white portrait, and we'll combine the photo with the words. Mm-hmm. So in the course of a day, we can do forty or fifty or sixty of these as long as people keep. Uh, keep circling through i think for for wild goose over two days we had 95 people that came through the studio and it's a really interesting way to uh to capture or reflect the mission vision and values Mm. of uh, a conference or a school or a faith community or whatever the group is that we happen to be working with um at the end of the day, whichever format we're using, this project to me is rooted in listening. Mm. It's about it's about showing up, uh, doing some deep listening and and really saying overtly or indirectly to everyone that we encounter, I I see you, I hear you, mm. and you matter. Mm. Mm. You know, and what what amazes me about this process is that when when we show up to listen and when people are feeling uh heard mm. they'll share some really profound and powerful things mm. yeah you know as i have been delving into your book consuming the content and uh really getting these stories uh, really what I could think of is, wow, John's doing what people pay me to do as a therapist. He really listens <laughs> and it's profound and it's transformational and it's life-changing. So there, there is, there's that value of, of being seen. And if talk therapy is, I mean, it's, it's more than that, obviously, but, but when a person comes in and they share some things they've never told anyone else that in it, of itself is extremely profound. So, and also as I was reading, I love it how you how you show up very authentically. Like I, I was on the chapter where you're talking about giving giving yourself grace, giving other people grace when they don't know what to say and they say the wrong thing or mm. they offend. And but that's like you can go back and repair. It's worth it to do that. So anyway, I was uh I was touched by all of that. So I guess my question here is with this journey, obviously you've been feeding your soul and I'm wondering now what John and Karen's marriage looks like, or even family dynamics look like now after having these experiences, what's different now that your family and your marriage 
maybe didn't have before? How, how has that been transformational for you? Hmm. Um, <clears throat> that's a good question. And I'll, I'll answer it in a couple of ways. First, I think our, our kids have grown up understanding the value of following your passion, mm. understanding mm -hmm. the value of taking some risks uh, and understanding the value of uh, finding your own voice, mm. you know, and so our, our oldest is a, a lighting designer and is about to go out on tour with a musician. And, and in the next six months, we'll be on six different continents as, wow. as he, uh, you know, runs lighting and, and video wall for this musician. And uh, he'll probably get, he'll probably wind up with more stamps in his passport than I will, but he's, <laughs> he, he's doing what he loves and he's finding, finding a path uh, to make it work. Um, our youngest uh, just graduated a year ago with an art degree and is painting and, and finding their niche, um, you know, crafting jewelry that has, mm. um, you know, subversive radical messages on, on the earrings that, that say, things like he, him, they, them that say things like uh, my body, my choice mm -hmm. and, and, and voicing some of their values in the world through their art um, and finding some joy in the fact that, uh, that people love that and that people wow. want to embrace that. Wow. So, so I think on the one hand, um, our kids have, you know, one time I talked to them after we were visiting with some of our other suburban friends who were convincing their kids to become an actuary because the world, you know, you'll always find a job as an actuary or to become an engineer because uh, it pays well. And I went home and I said to my kids, am I steering you wrong here? Mm. Uh, telling you to just do what you love. I said, you're never going to have a normal paycheck. You're never going to know when your next job is coming. You're never going to have certainty around that. And they looked at me, uh, and cocked their head a little bit and said, well, that's all we've ever seen you do, dad. So why would that seem weird? Uh, <laughs> you so, know, it is, it, it's weird to the rest of the culture. It, yeah, you know, yeah, it's, it's weird so in the semi-professional neighborhood that we grew up in, right? Upper mm. middle class neighborhood that, you know, all for the most part went to an office every day mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. you know, check their 401k statement at the end of the month and, mm. and, and, and all of these things. And that that just wasn't our life. And so mm -hmm. that's what that's what the kids saw. And that's what I think they have embraced in their own life. Wow. Um, from. From a marriage standpoint, I think uh, Karen and I uh, have have gone even further out on that limb of accepting uncertainty and mm. and and maybe not needing to know all of the answers. Mm. You know, we we're not going to live on the road forever. Mm -hmm. We can feel some tug towards mm -hmm. having a home base again mm. i mean we miss friends we miss community we we meet all of these amazing people on the road but then we drive on and yeah. so we don't have that regular community that we were accustomed to and that we long for again uh but we cannot for the life of us figure out where that will be wow you know, there, there's so many good options in the world um but we also don't feel the pressure to have to decide 
Wow. We don't need to know right now. And so collect collectively, both of us, we know that there's an end date to this, uh-huh. but, um, but we're patient for it to come. The well, let, that, I, I, yeah, I, if, if I, I don't want to interrupt your thought. So if I do, please let me know, but I want to weave together something here because those that are regular listeners to this podcast may see some threads that I'm hearing from you, John. Uh, a few episodes back, I interviewed Gay and Katie Hendricks. Uh, Gay is the uh, author of The Genius Zone, but talking about like conscious, loving uh, in later years of life. But the, one of the very necessary things is to tap into your genius zone and your creativity as a couple, as an individual. Well, I have really discovered myself, even working with folks and being in the mental health field for as long as I have, that, that there is so much that people are in jobs that they don't love, that wears them out, that contributes to their depression. And they're, I mean, I just believe we all have this God-given creativity and to tap into that is so important. Now, not maybe not everybody's cut out to be an entrepreneur or a freelance photographer or whatever, but to tap into that. And I think that's what I'm really so drawn to you and your work, John, and even your family dynamics here as you tell me about this is that you're tuned into that. And a lot of people are missing out on their lives. They're, they're busy, busy, busy going, going, going and like Groundhog Day over and over again. But to tune in to a deeper place of one's soul and to know what lights you up and what feeds your soul. That, so I just had to make that comment because I think well, it's pretty profound. Yeah, well, well, thank you for that. And let me, let me point out that like any, any journey and any path, there are, there are frustrations and, and difficulties. Yesterday, mm-hmm. yesterday, I had to find a place to dump my gray water tanks in my little <laughs> van. And mm-hmm. I, I had to stop four places before I could figure out actually where to do that. And, and sometimes I roll my, and I didn't know where I was going to park Vinny to sleep last night until the end of the day. And so, you know, sometimes I roll my eyes and I'm like, well, either I'm doing the most brilliant thing in the world or I'm just being foolish for a little <laughs> while. But but at the end of the day, you're right. I have I have the ability to follow my heart. This project has unfolded um, as as a as a uh, a path of the spirit sort of a journey that I that I needed to say yes to. And, mm-hmm. and we say very often that we we just walk through the doors that open up to us. Mm. And so we we have this vision of how the project will unfold, but there are opportunities that we can't even imagine that have presented themselves that we because of the choices we've made that we've been able to say yes to. Wow. That that is a, a freedom and a beauty. Um Frankly, when I think of coming off of the road, sometimes I panic a little bit, uh, thinking I don't I, I don't know that I can close the chapter, close the door on this chapter because it's so uh, rich and and rewarding and um, uncertain and beautiful and and all of those other things. Well, it, not only that, it's it's kind of like you're awakening. Um, you're awakening so many of us that are like reading your book. Uh, you're awakening because even seeing your display and and even the folks there at the wild goose that I kind of rub shoulders with a little bit and then seeing their 
their portraits, you know, your image that you captured of them and what they said. And it's kind of, it deepens, it deepens this connection, this human connection. And that's a big, big thing to do. And it's, it's so needed. And, and I guess what I'm saying is this is more like world peace right here. Like we are like, you're, you're part of this. It's a bigger thing. Um, anyway, that, that's a thought that came to my mind. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that because that's certainly the goal is to help us see ourselves and those around us in new and transformative ways. And, and, um, a, a couple of thoughts in that regard. The first is that, um, when I interview people, when I meet people, um, I have three audiences that I consider um, in that process. And the first audience is me, because when I meet you, when I meet Bushi, when I meet when I meet all of these other people, um, I'm enriched and I learn mm. in that process. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm encountering difference. I am encountering new ideas and other worldviews and and i am enriched by mm. that process mm. the the second audience so so that's pretty selfish right i'm doing this because wow <laughs> i i love it it's amazing yeah. and i learned so much and it feeds your soul and we all are souls soul. need to be fed <laughs> so i'm really greedy in that regard uh, yeah the the second audience is is you or every other person that i encounter because again i want I want people to come away from this experience feeling whole, mm. feeling alive, feeling seen and heard and valued. Mm. So those are two very small audiences. The The third audience uh, is the general public, mm. you know, and this is the this is the public programming that we do mm -hmm. um, as we bring these stories around, as we move our exhibits around, as I do lectures and workshops on storytelling. I assume that if I'm going to learn something from these stories that other people can as well. And so we hope to present these stories of hope and transformation and um, and, and and justice uh, to the world so that people can start to challenge their own expectations so mm. that they can recognize their own blind spots so that they can uh, be willing to stay at the table to explore the complexity of some of these really difficult issues. And I love that I is being able to hold the tension of our differences and to be able to even look <clears throat> past those, what we may not be able, those labels or those differences and to really see and see into that other person. So I guess what, yeah, it's kind of like very unique. I think what you're doing, at least unique to me, the bit that you have this global, uh, you, you've got, a, you know, an influence that's bigger than you with the work and the people. Um, and then also it's very intimate as well as big. Um, yeah, it's got it's got a foot in both of those worlds that it's that is very much relational in these exchanges, but then it's very much community and 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 uh world based in in its um approach to things like compassion and and justice. And um I want to I want to point out because sometimes I think the word peace gets a little bit lost in mm. rainbows and daisies and unicorns. Mm. And, um, <laughs> you know, the, the, the truth of it is I'm, I'm this middle-aged white guy, you know, I'm the poster child of privilege, mm -hmm. uh, traveling through the country, having these conversations with people who don't necessarily share that same privilege, mm. uh, with me. 
you know, and so the question for myself is, what do I do with that privilege? How can I use that to leverage a broader understanding of the world? And so I will, I will move frequently into communities that I'm, I'm not fully informed on. I'm, I'm not mm -hmm. a part of this community or that community. And so what I'm hoping to do, uh, nobody owes me this, but what I'm hoping to do is if people are open to conversation, to talk about experience, that we can share that time together and that I hope that can broaden my understanding of the world and that I hope it can broaden other people's understanding of the world. So especially these last two years, we've been, we've been, um, diving into some really challenging conversations. We spent six weeks along the border talking about uh, immigration. Mm -hmm. You know, we spent time in Mississippi uh, talking about race and, and moving Confederate monuments. We spent time with veterans up in the Pacific Northwest talking about trauma and PTSD and suicide prevention. And um, I call this work public art, and it only works when the public shows up. You know, mm -hmm. I'm simply a facilitator. I'm simply a curator. Uh, bring it down even a level further. I'm simply a, a curious human being mm -hmm. that wants to understand how we can bridge some of these divides and how we can build community and how we can see each other as more fully human. And yes. so it, it, has been, it has been a journey of discovery for me. Uh, I've learned, I, I learn... I learn how little I know almost every day. Mm. <laughs> I learn yeah. uh, where, I, where I have more work to do almost every day, uh, you know, and, but we can only start where we are and try to move forward. And that's the goal. Absolutely. We are busting through some really strong neural pathways, right? Busting through some limited beliefs about ourselves, some arrogance and all of that stuff that comes with it. Years ago, as I started out in my my career as a counselor, it's actually a second career for me because I raised four kids in a difficult marriage that uh, first career, but the second career being my counseling. And, and I really began to see people very intentional to see them as divine appointments. If I look at every human being that uh, that you know, it takes a lot of courage to call a counselor or to walk through the doors of my counseling office and I see them as a divine appointment. That's that's a different mentality there. And it has really enriched my life to do that. But so that's why I resonate with you on so many levels. Uh, John, especially like following your passion, that takes an increased awareness and being intentional and then taking these risks of growth. That's my acronym for growth, like breathing fresh air, the awareness, yeah. intentionality and growth. It's like it's everywhere in what you're doing. So Anyway, I, I want to commend you. What would you say to the person who's listening to this? And maybe you're stirring, maybe this conversation is stirring something in, in this other person that's listening or watching this interview and, and they feel stuck or they feel that they're not feeding their soul. What would you say to them? All right. I will make advice, but I will tell people that they are responsible for their own decisions so that if I give you bad advice and you follow it and things fall apart, <laughs> it's their own fault. That's, part, that's a part of the process. That's a part of the learning. Um, so um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, well, I'm not kidding, but 
here's, I get it. <laughs> in in all seriousness, here's what I see people do. Here's what I've seen myself do earlier in my life that I've gotten better at not doing. I see people uh, light this little spark, mm. right? This little glow begins and they get super excited about something. And then... Um, and then when they think of the prospect of the bigger flame, they get a little nervous and they back away from it and they let the spark just sort of wither away and burn out. And they say, oh, that's not for me or that's not really responsible or that's a little foolish or maybe that's somebody else's job to do. They get really excited about this thing until they get to the edge and then they get scared and they back away. What I would encourage people to do is if you have that little spark uh, to guard it mm. and protect it and fan it a little bit, sometimes gently, sometimes vigorously, you have to pay attention to the spark because if you fan it too hard, it can blow it out. But you'll you'll know what it needs, but don't be afraid of it. Foster it. And follow it because it could turn into the light that leads to your path that you can't even see right now. Wow, that's great. I, I think we, yes, we all need to pay attention to what lights us up. And, yeah. and it is, I mean, it's a risk. It, it's a risk. Life is a risk anyway. But but like you can either, either live very small or or choose to live in that risk of growth and like, yeah, like I say, breathing fresh air. <laughs> it's like, well, and, and, and let me let me say very clearly, I'm, I'm 55 years old. We've been on the road for two years now working on this project that has been going for a dozen years. I honestly don't know yet if this is the most brilliant visionary thing or the most foolish thing that we've ever done in our lives. Yeah. But I do know that it is the path that we belong on. And I do know that if I wasn't doing this right now, um, that I would be that I would be regretting it in some fashion. We're living uh, fully uh, with all of the risk and all of the benefit that comes with that. And yeah. um, and we're doing it together. Yeah. Who was it? Was it Mark Twain that says you're not going to regret what you didn't what you did do but you're gonna regret what you didn't do somebody said that i don't know mm, who it was. somebody smart said something like that <laughs> and i and i agree completely yeah. don thank you so much what uh a brilliant light you are i i just uh enjoyed this time talking with you how can folks get in touch with you because they're going to want to see your work they're going to want to read your books they're going to want to be a part of what you're doing how can they get in touch yeah, of course. Well, those books are everywhere. It's called Portraits of Peace, Searching for Hope in a Divided America. I love I love the cover, by the way. Yeah, I that is not good. that is not the camper we live in, by the way. <laughs> that's just that's just one that we happened upon as we were traveling. Um, and uh, so that's in bookstores. It's it's online in all the places. Um but people can follow along on social media. People can find our website. It's just the acronym for the project, a piece of my mind. So it's a P O M M dot net. Awesome. And that will direct you to Instagram and Facebook and all of the other things. But um, we try to post new content uh, daily and new interviews weekly. And uh, we try 
to uplift and amplify the voices of people who are finding creative solutions to our most challenging issues. And I hope that people will follow along. I love it. It's a great fit for better relationships, better life. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. It's great to talk with you, Judy. Thanks. It's easy to get narrow focused when you're in the midst of personal stress or difficulties in your relationship. But this conversation with John was so enlightening to me, bringing awareness that expands to a bigger perspective of peace. Here's some things I'm pondering. Number one, when stressful times show up in our lives, it's an opportunity to tune in to a greater understanding of your passion. And number two, John talked about navigating risks, getting used to uncertainty, and not knowing whether an idea is foolish or whether this idea is a spark to be fanned that could possibly bring light into this world. And number three, our growth and deeper connection with ourselves and others is rooted in listening. What a gift we give when we take the time to see hear, and affirm another. And I want to say to you that you matter. What stood out to you? Share your takeaways by going to betterrelationshipsbetterlife.com. Next week, you'll hear me on the other side of the microphone. My friend and colleague, Rebecca Green, interviews me, and you'll discover the deeper story of why I'm passionate about this podcast and the work that I do. Until then, I would absolutely love it for you to share, subscribe, rate, and comment in the streaming platform of your choice. See you next time on Better Relationships, Better Life.